0: Friends of Pylon, we have made it to another Monday here on Monday, July 18th. Just one week to go until the start of training camp for many teams. I know that if you are anything like the folks here at Inside the Pylon, uh, we have been awaiting this day. Geez, Mark, we're probably going back to May first, day after the draft, right? Yeah,
1: I mean, the second the draft ended, we were like, all right, let's get to training camp. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, let's move this along.
0: It has been a long two and a half months, but we are almost there. Chuck Zada and Mark Schofield here with you on a Monday, just as we are every other day. And today, what we're going to be doing is getting you up to speed on some basic concepts that'll hopefully help you out when you are watching games this year. As you know, the main focus of our site is to try to educate you on football and on what is actually happening on the football field. And we are joined by the writer uh, of an article that I think helps to really do this on the defensive side of the ball. We're joined by Dave Archibald, another writer from inside the pylon and Dave stoked to have you here today, buddy.
2: Great to be on board with you guys and excited for the, for football season to be coming back. It's been a long summer.
0: It it feels like it has been. It it just it feels like a longer wait than usual for some reason. I don't necessarily know why. Uh but I do want to dig into this article that you put together here. The title of it is very simple. It says identifying past defenses. Uh in reality, that's a pretty difficult concept, but you're able to break it down and really make it accessible, I think, to people who might not know what to look for. And so you had given a number of different rules in here, and I think pretty much what I want to do is just kind of go down that list uh, and also dig into you know some different pieces here and there. So starting with what you list as step one here, when you talk about identifying past defenses, what, what, what coverage uh, a defense is playing, number one that you have here is count the deep safeties. So walk me through that.
2: Sure. So you can roughly divide most of the common defenses into one high safety or two high safeties. So you're either going to see like a true free safety, a center fielder, a post defender in the middle of the field, if it's cover one or cover three, or you're going to see two safeties that are roughly splitting the field in half. And the common coverages you see with that configuration are cover two Cover two man under, sometimes called cover five, and cover four. So once you've, and that's really easy. I mean, it's really easy to look at a play and see whether there's one deep safety or two deep safeties. So that kind of gets you halfway there. Dave,
0: as we start to, uh, you know, look into this in more depth one of the things that you do mention uh that teams will do occasionally is they will show one look in terms of deep safeties and then roll into a different look can you describe the mechanics of that and how that can be something that can throw off both fans as well as players
2: sure and mark has gotten into a lot of this in some of his uh route concept pieces offenses are going to attack defenses differently depending on what kind of coverage the defense is in if the defense lets the quarterback just sit back there and know what the defense is going to be they're making his job easy so if they show cover one before the snap and then they run cover one once the snap starts the quarterback can just do whatever he was planning on doing against a cover one a man beater concept for instance But if they show cover one before the snap and then slide into cover two right at the snap, it forces hesitation on the part of the quarterback. It might also cause the receivers who are running choice routes to have to make a decision differently than they thought they were going to. So it just puts the offense a little bit on the disadvantage if the defense can roll coverage.
1: Dave, one of the things that you pointed out that can sort of help an offense get the defense to tip their hand is using motion. How does that help either a fan or you, um, when you're looking at tape, identify a defense's coverage and how they respond to motion?
2: Well, the big thing with motion is that if a pass defender, usually a cornerback, follows the motion player as he moves, that's a tip-off that it's likely going to be a man-to-man coverage concept. If the defender does not follow that motion player, then you're mostly most likely looking at zone. Is, is that one of the major
0: reasons why you'll see teams do motion? I know that one of the uh, one of the features that you wrote about here. Uh, was motion simply just a basic, uh, in and out motion where someone, for example, in the slot may look to go across the formation and then come back to the same spot they started at. Is that almost an offense just trying to get some kind of tip from the defense as to what they're running?
2: Yeah, I think very much in that case, which was an in and out motion, that was an example that Mark you had pulled up in another piece. Um, I mean, there are other advantages to motion. It makes it hard for the pass defender to get a jam, but I I think a lot of times offenses are just doing it to try to force the defense to tip their hand.
0: Now, as we continue down your list here, the uh, the second step that you have uh, as far as your progression that you're going through when you're trying to identify a defense is looking at the outside cornerbacks, and what specifically do you look at with regards to them?
2: Well, the... At a a fundamental level, once once we've kind of looked at our deep safeties and decided whether it's a one high or a two high, the next thing we want to do is try to figure out whether it's a man-to-man or a zone defense. And the outside cornerbacks are probably the most reliable way to do that. So you want to look at the hips of the outside corners. If they turn out towards the man, towards the sideline, that's usually an indicator that it's man-to-man defense. If they turn in towards the quarterback and usually away from the receiver, that's a tip that it's uh, zone defense, a- assuming the receiver is running sort of a vertical stem upfield.
0: Now, you did mention that, unfortunately, with some of the defenses that we see in modern football today, it's not necessarily always
2: the most reliable indicator. Can you give some of the reasons for that? Well, like um, one example I gave in the piece was the Seattle Seahawks' have brought in this big wave of teams running cover three, which is a zone defense, but with press technique on the outside. So they have their outside cornerbacks jamming the receivers at the line of scrimmage, very much like a man-to-man defense, doing a man turn, but then from there following zone rules. And I, I think what you've seen more and more is that the kind of, uh, Traditional uh, spot drop zone defenses that were popular in the in the 90s and the 2000s, you know, your Tampa two, your uh, cover three that uh, Pittsburgh ran a lot of. Those have kind of fallen out of favor because it's too easy for the offenses to carve them up with shorter routes. So by incorporating some man to man coverage concepts within those zone defenses, it makes the defenses more effective. And So that's one of the things that you see if you're trying to... uh, And I mean, there's also a confusion element to that too because quarterback might read it as man and it's actually his own concept. So that's one of the complicating factors.
0: With regards to uh, what you just mentioned there as far as the Tampa 2 and other similar styles uh, seemingly being employed less frequently than they were 10 years ago, I'm curious as to your thought on this, is, is that simply because... Teams have figured out the the gaps in those defenses and the ways to exploit them, or is it more because you're just not able to do as much in those defenses to disrupt uh, receivers that are coming through in terms of the crackdown on illegal contact and so forth?
2: Yeah, I mean, probably both of those are are elements of it. The zone defenses you – You know, you had kind of your safeties flying in and knocking the heads off the slot receivers. That's harder to sell in modern football. I think, too, zone defenses are stronger against the run uh, because you have the defenders facing the line of scrimmage. They can see the run action. That's not as much of a concern as the league goes more pass heavy.
1: Dave, you mentioned sort of spot drop zone coverage where guys will just retreat to their area of the field and then sort of react to the play. But one of the tougher things to break down in today's game are sort of pattern match and zone defensive coverages. How do you sort of try to figure out when teams are running those kinds of schemes?
2: Yeah, and that's really, really tough. And I I guess to step back, um, what a pattern match defense is. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, it's a it's a zone. You divide the field into zones, but instead of just dropping to a spot in your back pedal, reading the quarterback size and reacting, you're actively looking for work. You're looking for receivers in that area. So you're covering them tight, like it's man to man defense. You're covering a receiver, but then depending on the direction he veers, you might pass it off pass him off to another player instead of continuing to follow him like you would in a man-to-man. So, yeah, that's very difficult because if you look at the initial technique by the defensive backs, it's going to look similar to man-to-man. I think at a fundamental level, what you want to look for are receivers who are running out of zones. So if a receiver's running a shallow cross, he's going from you know the right flat all the way across the middle. Is the receiver, is the cornerback going to follow him? or is he going to pass him off? If the uh, receiver runs a deep dig, is he going to pass him off, or is he going to stick with them? So you're looking for those routes that move across the field and seeing whether the cornerback uh, sticks with it, like it's a man-to-man defense, or if there seems to be some sort of uh, zone concept that's underlying the man techniques that you see.
0: Dave, one of the uh, other steps that you list in here as you continue to go through this article is you say understand the zones and where they are on the field. Can you talk a little bit about some uh, key concepts that you look for there as far as uh, what
2: you are trying to pick up? Sure. So the three most common zone defenses are cover two, cover three, and cover four. Um, And like I just said, at a fundamental level, you're looking for receivers running out of one zone and into another. So, if you understand how those zones are set up for those three common defenses, for instance, in cover two, the cornerback is the short outside zone, the outside cornerback. So, he's actually going to only carry a deep route so far and then pass him off to the safety. So, if you see you know, a cornerback doing that, then that's an indicator. Hey, that looks like cover two, even though the cornerback's technique is is man-to-man. Uh, in cover three, the cornerback is responsible for all the vertical routes along the sideline. So you're looking for those routes that cross into the middle of the field, what he does there. Cover four is a little tricky because the cornerback... Liking cover three, he's got the deep sideline. But unlike cover three, he doesn't necessarily have safety help to the inside because that safety is not only responsible for that kind of deep middle zone, he's also got to worry about the slot receiver tight end on that side. So it's actually easier to watch the safety and see whether he's reacting to the slot or whether he's... um, just purely playing over the top of the action on his side of the field.
1: Dave, I got to ask you about my favorite rule in the piece, and that's rule eight. Um, Obviously, I love it. Forgive the quarterbacks. Um, Why is it just so hard to read defenses, even when we've got all this film at our disposal? Can you just kind of
2: like sum that up for us and the listeners? I think there are variants all the time. I mean, the the defensive coordinators around the league, these guys are really smart and they're getting paid to get that quarterback or even the offensive coordinator to make a mistake, to think he sees something and it's something else. I mean, those guys are getting paid too. So sometimes you see the quarterback misread the defense and, you know, (laughs) you're at home like, why is he doing that? But it's because – there was some sort of key that led him to believe it would be a certain defense and it was something else. Um, You know, these guys are doing it all the time. They're always looking for new wrinkles. There are all sorts of different hybrid defenses that incorporate both zone and man concepts. So it's not as easy as just sitting back there and picking the defense apart. Dave, it seems to me that as you know, as I read through your piece
0: and, and looked at it myself it seems that really what you're trying to do is synthesize what the, what the defense is from a number of different data points because you have certain things that can exist in multiple defenses, and it seems really to be almost kind of like a matrix where you're kind of crossing it off until you get down to one or two possibilities that it actually is. Is that kind of the process that you take towards it, or do you do, you do something
2: differently there? No, I think that's a pretty good uh, explanation. I mean, sometimes you go through the counting the deep safeties and figuring out man-to-man and you have a really clear idea what it is but sometimes you see elements that contradict each other so one of the threads running through this piece was an example mark had submitted in the itp slack uh, several weeks ago it was a play where you had the outside cornerbacks executing what looked like man-to-man turns. You had a lot of underneath defenders clearly in zone coverage. It wasn't totally clear what the safeties were doing. So then uh, I actually set up a matrix in step six here, which shows, you know, what the various elements in that play, what those people were doing, what they would be doing in a cover one, and what they would would be doing in a cover three, and then kind of check off, like, oh, this works and this this doesn't work. And this is an unusual variation, but it's not a big deal. And this is something that makes no sense whatsoever. So sometimes, I mean, I literally do make a matrix to try to help me understand which of the elements uh, match a certain defense and which contradict it.
0: Outstanding. Well, Dave, I can tell you this much. Just by reading this article – you know it it just gives people I think a a great basic understanding of look here's some of the key things to look at, and I know we've gotten a ton of feedback already from people uh that think this is a an incredibly valuable tool, so not just for myself but I think for a lot of people, I just want to thank you for putting it together because even for me, you know it just gives me some landmarks to look at and, and I think you did just a tremendous job with this piece overall
2: uh well. Thanks a lot, Chuck. I, I really appreciate that. I'm glad to see. Uh, I saw the social media has picked it up a little bit, and it's nice to see stuff getting read.
1: Yeah, okay. no, it was great work, Archie. It really is. So uh,
2: can I can I shout out um, the Reverend James Strangelo who did a, a lot of the editing on this. That was a big factor to helping the readability and stuff.
0: You, you certainly can. It's always a team effort. But uh, again, you know, I can tell you we really appreciate you putting this together. And I can tell you this, it's going to be a guy that a lot of people are looking at over the course of this season, uh, both inside uh, our, our, well, I was going to say inside, inside the pylon, but that sounded weird. You can say so that. Can you say inside, inside the pylon? Yeah. Is that, that two inside? Or you can say
1: just inside ITP. How about
0: do, that? Do two insides make an outside I don't think so. That's what I was concerned about there. So, uh, It's not like
1: two Rons make a right.
0: I'll leave that one for uh, the philosophers, of which uh, I do not put myself in that group. But we are out of time for the day. Dave, thanks for coming on with us. Uh, we really appreciate it, all right?
2: Thanks, guys. Excited to football season back.
0: We are close. Dave Archibald from Inside the Pylon. Chuck Zada and Mark Schofield here as well. We have one week until training camp. It can't get here soon enough. We're going to be filling your time up all week with more shows. Make sure you check in tomorrow on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast.